0: Okay, so today's daf is Kaf Aleph, though, and we're going to start on Kaf Bet Amud Bet, just at the bottom, just so we're, you know, we, we begin that part where it's the three lines from the bottom, where it says, right, Today is Kaf Aleph, so we're just going to start Kaf Amud Bet at the bottom. Yes. So it Yes, so it says that they only allowed Pasei Beraot. are these corner pieces, basically around the, around the uh, well, that they wanted to draw water for their animals on Shabbat and they'd be traveling for says, they did this for the basically the people who would be coming up to Yerushalayim for the Chagim and they had to stop for Shabbat and they're basically camping out type of situation so the problem was that the pit that had water in it was, very, was a Rishut Yahid. but the place where they were encamped was Rishut Rabim. so how can you bring water from this deep wide uh, area that, is, that constitutes a Rishut HaYachid, into Rishut HaRabim so therefore, the solution was that they made these corner pieces that we know that they sort of made these corners in the four corners of the area. There were one by one ama by one ama uh, in each of the four corners of the area. And then within that area, you were allowed to carry. And there, there was a, a limit on how far apart the pieces could be. And there's a machloket about how far. Is it 13 something amot? Is it 10 amot? Either way, they they, they made a, they created an area that was like Roshotayachid so they could draw the water out. That's Pasei Berot. But it says, this is only allowed for Oler and Galim. It was only allowed for the people coming up for the uh, for the chagim uh, because it was a special dispensation to not have actual walls, just to have these corner pieces to create the only in special case. And v'atani we learned in a the to el pasei ela mabilvad. So didn't we learn actually that it was only for animals that it was allowed? You're saying it's for olel galeim that implies it's for humans, but actually we learned that it's only for animals. So you're right; it's both true. Uh, we, the the answer is my <laughs> that we're talking about the people who came up for the galim they came up for the holidays their animals needed water and so therefore they had to uh, they had to create this uh, special area that was uh, that was uh, marked off in order to give water to their animals right aval adam but if you have a person the person can go up and down in the water he doesn't need to yeah, but the animal cannot climb down into the, uh, into the well and take water and drink it there. So the, um, so the animal, uh, we have to bring the water from there and, 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 and bring the water out. But for the human being, he can go down himself. He doesn't have to rely on the passei because he can go into this ditch and drink from the, if he has to. You know, if he has to. Right? Any, is that true? Didn't we learn? The Ravitzchak said the said in the name of Rav uh, Yehuda and in the name of Shmuel that they only allowed it for beromayim They didn't allow it for collected rainwater, like a pit of rainwater. They didn't allow you to make the pashey around it. Only around beromayim Chaim, which is a uh, actual spring water, they allowed it for. Now that implies that <clears throat> spring water implies it's for humans, because an animal doesn't, you know, drink terrier. You know, he it does He's not. He's not going to have. Uh, spring water the uh, Poland spring or whatever it is the human cares about that so from the fact that they only allowed it for uh, that implies that they only allowed it for good quality water they didn't allow it for that's for humans so what do you mean it's only for animals so it says right what difference does it make whether it's uh, whether the water is uh, is collected rainwater or the water is is a uh, is a, uh, is a flowing spring, that's only significant for a human being. But for an animal, that's not going to be significant. And if you're telling me the whole concept of Pasei rot is only for animals, so then why should I be, Why should the animal care? In other words, why should it be relevant what kind of water it is if it's for the animals? So it says, well, still, the l- rule is, They required it to be some kind of water that could be both for human beings and also for animals. In other words, they limited the... Um, the application of this law only to a a source of water which was going to be used by both the humans and the animals. Drawing the water out was only allowed for the animals, but they only allowed it in a source of water that the humans would also be using. That's what the halacha was. Now, going back, we said in a Braita that they allowed this corner, cornering off this area only for animals, but if a human be, to draw water out, but a human being can go down into the pit himself and take the water. He doesn't, to, uh, he doesn't have to draw the water out. So, But if it was very wide, in other words, you can't, it's, the only way you can climb down is if you have a grip. But if it's a very wide area, that you can't have a grip to go down, so then what are you going to do? So in that case, fine, So then, uh, the, then they would allow even the person to draw water up with the bucket, because he can't climb down. It's too big of a ditch. He uh, won't be able to get in and out. He should not fill the water and put it right in front of his animal in, uh, you know, uh, in a container and like give the animal to drink directly. However, what what he should do is He has to take the water in a bucket and then pour it into a trough and the animal drinks out of the trough. In other words, he doesn't give like, he doesn't take the bucket that he drew the water and put it right up to the face of the animal for the animal to drink. He pours it into a trough. The animal will drink from the trough. If that's true, then what benefit do you have from the Pasei Beraot? What kind of question is that? The Gemara says, What do you mean? You wouldn't be able to draw the water at all if you didn't have the Pasei Beraot? Because it would be a Yachid to So of course you need it. What difference does it make whether you're allowed to directly give the animal to drink or not? Not relevant. Right? There's a the rule that the head and the majority of the body of the para has to be, of the cow, has to be inside the passei area. Now, why would you need that, right? If you, if you, if anyway, you can't, if anyway, you're going to pour it into a trough and then the animal's going to come and take it. What do you care if the animal is partially in, partially out? It's, what do you care about that? As long as you're just pouring it into something that's inside the Reshut that you made, what difference does it make to you how the animal is positioned? It's not relevant. If you were giving to the animal, so then you have to be concerned. If you're giving to the animal and the animal is partially in the Rosh Hashanah. maybe you're going to follow him out or something like that. But if you're just pouring it into a trap, and the animal's going to come and take for himself, herself or himself, so then what difference does it make uh, of what the position of the animal is? That's up to the animal. The animal is gonna, uh, going to decide that it doesn't affect you. Amar Abay Abay And This is a quote from Abayeh that, that was repeated in the Gemara before a couple of times. Which is the Rabim. He constructed a specific case where we have a concern. Which is, you could have a trough that's in the Roshut Rabim. gavoa Asara. It's 10 twachim high. It's 4 twachim wide. Vroshot. Nichnas. And basically, it, it extends into the Pase Od. So, that what it is is that this uh, trough by itself would actually be a Roshut Yechit. Because it's tall and it's wide. Right? It has an opening. It's 10 Tvachim high. It's 4 twachim wide. So, technically, it's a Roshut Rabim. And if you were standing, I'm sorry, Rishut HaYachid rather, right? And if you were standing in a Rishut HaRabim and you took something from the Rishut HaRabim and put it on this trough, you carried from the Rishut HaRabim to the Rishut HaYachid. Now it extends into the Pasei B'raot area, which is also Rashuta HaYachid. So when you draw the water and you pour it right into this trough, you're pouring from, or put it onto the trough, or however you do it, you're putting from the Rishut HaR- HaYachid to the Rishut HaYachid and that's fine. Okay, but the problem would be that what if the animal is standing on the other end of the trough, then there, and there, and you see the Gemara explained before it doesn't bring the whole quote here the Gemara explained on the previous day and the and the and, and and you see that there's something not exactly right with the trap on the other end you might walk out with the with the um, bucket of water that you took from the passe, from the from inside the uh, well and walk over there and then and then end up putting it down adjusting something and and then putting it fr- and picking it up again and then you're picking it up from the Rasut rabim so the reshuatayachid, because the trough is reshuatayachid. In other words, since the this trough is straddling the reshuatayachid and Rabim, we can only use that type of a trough if the animal is mostly inside the paseberot itself. So that way, you don't have any temptation to go to the other side of the trough. But if there's a temptation that you might go to the other side of the trough, and the other side of the trough is actually located in the Rishuta Rabim and you might put down the bucket and you might fix something and then pour, so then you then you're creating a problem. But in a normal case, if the trough is totally in the Pase Bara'ot, let's say. It's totally within there. You don't care where the animal is, as long as you don't have any reason to go into the Rosh Hashanah, you're just, you know wh- whether the animal comes in and you give it directly to drink, or you pour it into the trough and you let the animal come, that you know, it, it doesn't matter. It only matters that you have to pour it into the trough for the animal to come if there's a if and that and the animal has to uh, and, and the positioning of the animal is only significant where this trough is straddling between the Rishwet HaYachid and Rishwet and there's a concern that you might carry your bucket into the Rishwet Rabim part. Okay, wow, yeah. and that's why... Because yeah. you forget. Because, like every other case, because you might forget. And since it's straddling the two, it's easy to forget when you're involved. So that's why I'm saying what you do is just pour it in front of the animal and let it have its own, uh, its own, um, uh, you know, uh, let it come on its own. And and you shouldn't, and you can only give it to drink if it fully comes into the Passeh but if, but otherwise, um, if the if the trough itself is not straddling, So then it doesn't matter, uh, w- you know, whether you give the animal directly to drink or not. Yeah, it's about this. Yeah, so it's it's sort of like an end of that discussion. Um, so yeah, clarifying yeah, clarifying that it's clear. Yeah. It normally won't make a difference whether you give the animal directly or you pour it into the trough and leave it. It only matters in a case where there's a complication that the trough is over to Rishuyot then you might get confused and you might make a mistake. But otherwise it wouldn't matter. Now, the, but Burganin is something that relates to Erovet that we didn't learn about yet, but it's going to come up soon. Which is that if you have a, we learned from the city limit, you have two thousand amot that you are allowed to go outside the city limit, but the city limit could be extended by, by what's called burganin, which are huts along the way, and every time you, if if you have huts positioned outside the city limit, that extends the limit of the city, and so the count starts over again of the city limit every time you come to one of these burganin. <laughs> it says that doesn't apply. You yeah, that doesn't apply in chutz in in bavel. The reason and the gemara is going to explain why. And pasay b'root don't apply in chul in chutz haaretz. Um, however, the implication is that they do apply in bavel, just not in the rest of chutz. Now, in bavel The reason why huts are not good for bavel is because they have a lot of flooding. There's a lot of rain, and since there's a lot of flooding and rain, these huts could be washed away in the rain. You won't even know, and you'll be relying on it for the measurement of the tchum. But anything that you build, like any makeshift hut that you build, might not be there tomorrow because there's so many floods. So therefore, you can't use that. Uh, it's not reliable. Right? Uh, so, but, and and similarly, um, in, in, uh, the, there were two reasons they allowed Pasei One was for the Olei galim like we saw before, for the people coming to Yerushalayim for the, the Chagib. The other reason they allowed Pasei was if you were coming to learn Torah. It, to, students who would be going from place to place to study Torah. And, they would have to camp out, you know, and they would need their animals to have water and all that. They were also allowed to make these makeshift enclosures for their animals, not only for Ole Regali, but outside of Bavel in regular Chutzar, you don't have so many people going from town to town to learn Torah that we have to worry that they're going to have to camp out and uh, and, and, and make Pasei Berot. So they didn't make that leniency outside of Bavel, All right? But the other way we do. In other words, you can extend an area with huts in any place besides Babel where there's not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of storms because you know that those huts are going to be permanently there and they're not gonna be washed away by flooding. And on the other hand, when it comes to Pase um, that only applies in a case where it's only gonna apply in a case where there's either a lot of learning going on or to, or in a case where uh, where you're you're going to be going on your way to to uh Ali Right? So technically um, Right, so and now we're going to have another example so ikadami some have an an alternative in uh, an alternative version amara barga barga ein burganin u pase bemodlo bebeveldo bkhul that we don't have this idea of extending a tzum with huts that are built outside nor do we have pase beot not in bavel and not anywhere else in khutzar it's why burganin bebevel ladeshkhikhe bidkei bkhul bkhul nami lodeshkhikhe ganave the huts don't you can't rely on the huts in Bavel, because it could be washed away by the bad weather, and you can't rely on the huts in any other place in because there's a lot of thieves that will come and dismantle it and take it, and you know, because it's abandoned. You know, they'll have some hut and they'll come take it. Similarly, um, these Paseberot in Bavel, you don't need them. Why? Because there's plenty of water around. It's got there's, there's no shortage of water. You can always find water. You don't have to find these like uh, ditches and, and get water for the animals. There's lots of water around all the time in Bavila It was a very well uh, irrigated area. And in any other place, you don't have it because there's no Aliyah LeRegel and there's no learning of Torah where people are camping out to go learn Torah. So there's no reason to have passei berot anywhere else. Um, not in Bavila, not in anywhere else. So Rav Chisda said to the son of Rafunah, the son of Amre Atitui Barnash Daniel, Tahavat lata They say that you go from Barnash, which is a certain city, to the synagogue of Daniel, which was th- three, parsa, uh, three parsa, which is further than you're allowed to travel on Shabbat. How can you do that? Amai Samchitu. What do you rely on to travel three parsa on Shabbat? It's too far to travel on Shabbat. He said, A are you gonna? If you're gonna tell me that you're that you're relying on huts that there are between that town and the next town, Ha <laughs> the father of your father said, Ein Burganin He said that, that we don't rely on huts in Babel because they could be washed away in the water. He, said, he went and showed him that there were certain ruins that were within. 70-some amot of the city. Since they were within 70-some amot of the city limit, these ruins, they weren't huts. What? Amot, what? what we'll learn more when we learn about Erovet Khumin about why that number is important, but that's like that's the maximum amount that it could extend. So once, when they, they showed that, um, he showed them that there were certain, if it were huts, it, we wouldn't be able to rely on that because huts are temporary and they get washed away, but ruins that are still partially intact they're not going to be wa- they're not going to be washed away by bad weather, so we don't have to worry that um, that the rain or the flooding is going to wash them away, and that allows us to extend the um, that extends the uh, the uh, <coughs> city limit further. And Rashi says He talks about that's that anything within that amount of the city can still be considered a part of the city. And so we can extend the the border of the city even further than than we would normally think. So that was why he was able to travel so far on Shabbat. Amor Abkhisa, Darish Mori Barmur Mori Barmur said the following Dasha, What does it mean? To everything I've seen a limit, but your mitzvah is very, very broad. This is from Telem in Kupi Yutet. Right? David said this, but he didn't explain it. Amor Iyob lo Peresho. Eob said it and he didn't explain it. Amor, Yecheskev, Operosho, Yecheskev, and Navi said it and he didn't explain it either. Ad Shabbat, Zacharyab, and Edo until Zacharyab, and Navi came and he explained it. Operosho. Amor, David, Operosho. What do you mean, David said it and he didn't explain it? Like we just said. Vasuk says that I've seen an end to everything, but your mitzvah is very broad. I don't see an end to it. Amor, Eob, Operosho. Where did Eob say this? Because it says, it says it's measure, measurement. Is longer than the earth or, And it is wider than the sea And he's talking about the wisdom of Hashem right? Similarly, Hezkel said something like this So when he had a vision of the, uh, of the scroll Floating scroll in the air And it says he saw it uh, And it was written on both sides Front and back was written uh, and it, it says, it was written on it, kinim, hege, and he. We're going to see what these three things are. Um, the Gemara is going to explain it. Okay? Kinim is referring to the suffering of a tzadikim in this world. That's why it says it's a kinah and you have to, uh, and you have to lament it. This is talking about the reward of the righteous in the next world. Vechenu omer that's from uh, is referring to the good that comes for the righteous in the next world this is the suffering of the Rishayim in the future so these three things are written the uh, suffering in this world of the righteous the reward of the righteous in the next world and the um, don't worry don't worry and the um, and the suffering of the wicked in the next world thechenu omir. And similarly, it says in the Pasuk, HOVA AL HOVA TAVO. So it's talking about, uh, that's, it's, so the word he is referring to the suffering. Okay? That's, that's a Pasuk that supports the idea that HOVA means suffering. Now, but the point is, uh, so Yecheskel saw a vision of a, a scroll floating written back, front and back with all of this stuff on it. And we saw that Yov says the Torah is very broad. And we saw also that um, that uh, David said that but nobody explained exactly what it meant. came and explained it. Because he said that the, that Hashem said to him, "What did you see?" Omar and I said, megillah. I see a megillah. I see a floating megillah, which is what he saw in his vision." Orka bama. It has twenty amot of length. ukba bama, and its width is ten amot. Okay, and the shatle. now the Gemara is explaining. And now if you open it up, right? So this megillah that was floating was rolled up. But if you open it, haviyala esrim it will be twenty by twenty amot. Okay, it's implying that it's half when it's rolled up. I guess half, right? Uchtiv hik and it says also that it was written back in front. Now, it actually says it was written back in front, not in Zechariah, but it says about Yechizkel that was written back in front, fine. V'chi and if you cut it, kama havi'ala, arba'in besrin. So if you cut it in half, because since it's written on both sides, right, if it's 20 by 20, right? But it's written on both sides. So if you cut it in half, so you double one of the one of the measures. You don't double both, right? Because like, if you split it in half, so you're gonna hold, you're gonna make it long, double the length. It's gonna be the same width. Let they show it? Double the le- it's gonna show you double the double the length, let's say, but not double the width because it's gonna be the same width. You cut it in half. You put one on top of the other. You make it longer, right? So yeah, you have Eswin Beswin. I'm sorry. Now you have arba'in uh, Beswin. Uh, 40 by 20. But it says when Hashem created the world, He measured it by a fist of water. Zeret is half of an ama. So it's saying, that over there, Rashi says, That the, the measurement of the universe is half an ama by half an ama. Okay? Of Hashem's amot. Right? Hashem's uh, divine amot. Okay? And here it's saying that this scroll that has the divrei Torah on it, is 40 by 20. Amot of Hashem, we're assuming. It means the Amot av, of a, divine Amot, not the, not the Amot that we have, right? And he says, <laughs> Which it makes the area of the scroll 3,200 3, times the area of the universe. Because the universe is half by half, and this is 40 by 20. So it's gonna be 3200. It's in the vi- This is the Gemara explaining the vision. The vision was just of a Megillah that had a certain size and then the Gemara says, well, if you take that Megillah and you, you unroll it and then you cut it in half and you, you know, because it was written on both sides, then then you end up with 3200 times the area of the Torah, meaning that this is the explanation, so to speak, of what David was saying and Eob was saying and Cheskel was saying that the oh, Debrei yeah. Torah was so much greater than, you know, greater than the ocean, greater than the heavens, greater than the universe. Because we see here that if you really take the measure of what ha- what is described as the um as the measurement of the universe is half an amah by half an amah, and you see what the description of this Megillah is thirty two hundred uh, area, so then it, that, that's a lot more than um it's thirty two hundred times uh, the area of the uh, uh of the universe. Okay? So that, and now another another Drasha for bar rather, my and again, this is another, um, this is another uh, vision, but this time the vision is from Yirmiyaw. He saw two baskets of figs in front of, they were ready in front of the Hechal of Hashem, um, and they had very different figs in each one, because one of them, uh, one, of, one of these containers, one of them had, one of them had very, very good ones. They were like the bakurot, the, the finest, uh, best, early, ripening, Uh, Figs, but and but the other one, um, I think it says right that uh, the second one had very bad figs. They were so bad he would never eat them. Okay, so that's what Yirmiyahu saw in his vision. He saw two containers of figs, one very good and one very bad, right in front of the hechal. So what is it talking about? So it says tovot the the good ones. These are the tzaddikim. The bad figs, those are the totally bad people. And they're both in front of the Hechalde. Maybe you'll say that there's no hope for the bad ones because they're so bad. The figs are so bad. And they represent the wicked people. It says, no, don't think that because Talmud Lomar, This is the Pasuk from Shira Shirim. Adudaim Natinuwayach. These Dudayim, Adudayim there is talking about a certain type of flower. It's not talking about the containers of figs. What? Could be, yeah. Well, there's a discussion about what it is, but yeah, it could be. But Dudaim but in Shashim in, is in talking about flowers, but it, it's because it called it a dud, the container that had the figs. So they're connecting the two and saying, no, you see that even the container of bad figs is good. Both of them will give something good. So even those who are totally, you would think they're totally lost. There's no hope. They are they're wicked, but they will be able to contribute something good. Now we're going to do a little bit of drashot of Shir Hashirim. The dudayim, these flowers are giving a good scent. What is it refer to? This is a reference to the bachoy Yisrael, to the young men of Israel who have never involved themselves in any kind of a sin. They're pure, they're innocent. So they give off a, a beautiful fra- fragrance. Obviously it's speaking metaphorically there. It's a, this is talking about the lovers in Shir Hashirim. And they're describing how beautiful it is outside. The flowers are giving their smell. And at our door are all kinds of like uh, um, delicacies, right? What does it mean? What is called megadim and petach? So megadim really means the delicacies are at the door. But it interpreted as magidot. They tell petchehem their openings, meaning they tell their status of nidat to their husbands so they can separate properly. Another possibility: they keep their openings closed for their husbands, meaning they're faithful to their husbands. They're not uh, promiscuous. The, the, the Jewish wives. So that's two interpretations of al megadim. Okay, either megadim comes from the word lehagid that they tell about their status of Nidat to husband, or it comes from the word of eged to be closed. Right? Chadashim gam new and old. What? My my uh, uh, the uh, uh, literally it means my beloved Safanti I saved it for you. I you know I, I saved it waiting for you. So to that the Jewish people say to Hashem, we have done so made so many on ourselves. That that you gave us uh, mitzvot to do, but we went even beyond that. So we have not only um, uh, not only the Yishanim, the original uh, Divrei Torah that we kept, but even chadashim, even the new things that we added, rabbinic laws and requirements, that we kept them and we kept them, Rashi says mm-hmm. we did this all to honor Hashem, so you should take that into account that the Jewish people are so devoted to God that they go even beyond what the Torah requires of them mm-hmm. well, yeah, Rav Chisda said to, uh, to one of the rabbis mm-hmm. he, was, he was saying like agadot in front of him did you ever hear any good interpretation of Chadashim Gam Yeshanim from Shia Shivim where it says that there are new and old? What is it referring to? Amalay said, Elo mitzvot, Kalot, V'Elo mitzvot, Hamorot. Some are saying we kept both the easy mitzvot and the hard mitzvot. That's what it means. Chadashim and Yeshanim. Which ones he thought were which? I, I don't know. But uh, he thought, you know. The, 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 the 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 the, yeah, the yeah, I guess maybe, maybe, yeah. Why is it, but yeah, why would it be called old and new? The Torah wasn't given at different times, it was given at the same time. So why would he call Why would it, why would the, the, the Shia Shirim refer to uh, stricter mitzvot as yeshanim and uh, less as chadashim? It's not more new. <laughs> What it means is, not only do we keep the Devaray Torah, we keep the Devaray Sufrim, but also the rabbinic laws as well. And they're all to our credit. This is from the end of Kohelet. It says, more than this, my son, be careful. The possibility of making books, there's no end to it. And studying too much will weary you out. Okay, that's what Kohelet says at the end. It doesn't sound very from, Right? Hello. Now, what does it mean? Hizahir... What does it mean, my son? Be careful. Be divrei free. It means be careful about the words of the rabbis. you tell me divrei tovah, even more than the words of tovah. Because when it comes to divrei tovah, some are positive mitzvot, some are negative. Be divrei sofrim. We learned in Masechet Bakhot. Anybody who violates the words of the rabbis, chayav mita. It doesn't mean chayav lishkav b'mita. It means chayav mita. Right. So the so the so uh, that's what he used to say. Kol aochel Khamin b'shabbat. Right. Chayav mita. Uh, that's, but it's chayav uh, lishkav, yeah. Because yeah. uh, but now here it means chayav mita. It's very serious, meaning any violation of the rabbinic laws. Because we're so sweet, they like us. It here's the davar Torah. He's a gilgul of somebody that he uh, didn't learn, right? So now, yeah, so kol haover al davar right? So so kol davar al so sofrim chayav mita. Shema tamarim yesh ben mamash. Maybe, right? So, uh, so, if you're going to tell me that any violation of rabbinic law is chayav mitah, it's a death penalty. So, why is it not written in the Torah it's so significant? There's no end to the making of books. If every rule that was important was written in the book, the books would be endless. We don't have endless books. What does it mean? Too much studying will wear you out. He explained, <laughs> he's interpreting as laag. Laag means lehal'ig. It means to, make fun. to, to uh, mm-hmm. make fun of, right? So it's saying, anybody who makes fun of the words of Torah, his judgment is to be in a pot of boiling excrement. Not where you want to be. Bad place. Okay? In like sewage, boiling sewage, you're going to be in. So Matkivla Ravaravas <laughs> said, it doesn't say laag. It doesn't say basar that, that that there's a lot of um, that making fun is what, what's gonna work, where you, cause you damage. It says too much too much discussion, too much learning. It's not negative, it's positive. basar. If you learn to em it has the taste of meat. It's so good. It's saying something positive. she says, even if you return to the same divrei Torah again and again, you find new enjoyment in it. Tanu kamran the rabbis taught. Masibu Rabbi Akiva sheyachabush bevet asurit. What it happened with Rabbi Akiva that he was imprisoned? V'hiya Rabbi Yosha Gersi misharadav uh, so it's Rabbi Joshua, Garci would, was taking care of Rabbi Akiva while he was in jail and every day would bring him in some water, a certain amount of water. But One day the guard found him sneaking in the water. He said, you have too much water today. Maybe you want to dig out of the jail. Like maybe he thought he was going to pour it on the ground, soften up the ground and start digging a hole out, you know, to escape. So he poured half of it out. He gave the other half. So when he came to Rabbi Akiva, he saw he had less water than usual, and he said, "Don't you know I'm old and I'm dependent on you? You know, where's my water?" So the servant told him, "Listen, that the guard caught me at the door, and he said it's too much water to bring in. I had to spill it. Sorry. It's like now when you go to the uh, to the airport, you know, they go to the airplane, they you spill all of your water, right?" I said, "Okay, give me whatever water there is, and I'll wash my hands." There's not enough even to drink. There's going to be enough water to wash your hands. What can I do? Said Rabbi Akiva. Right? That, that, that this is a rabbinic law that any, that, of before you eat bread. And you mitah. So mutab, so, huh? he's in prison. He maybe he didn't have anything. He's in the prison. How do you know he had gloves? Yeah, so it says, Better that I die by my own hand, and that I not violate the opinions of my colleagues that I have to wash. They said, They said he wouldn't eat anything until he brought him water to wash his hands. When the rabbis heard this thing, they said, if when in his old age he was so careful, then certainly in his young age he was even better. If he was so careful about observing the laws of the rabbis when he was in prison, definitely when he was free he was even more careful. When Shlomo established laws of eruvin, because he, he, he made Erovei Chatserot, she says, um, because, because he was worried that people would, because the, the, the whole thing of Shlomo HaMelech was he tried to make the Torah understandable to the people. And since the idea of reshuta yachid in most people's mind, private and public has to do with the social, social privacy and, and public. So he said, well, if, but the Torah's definition of private and public has to do with whether it's enclosed or open. So Shlomo didn't want people to get confused. He said, if we allow people to carry in a courtyard that is a shared space, a public space, they're going to think that you could also carry in the street. Because they're going to say, what's the difference? This is a public, that's a public. They're not going to realize one is enclosed, one is open. And so therefore he said, you can't eat, you can't carry in the chatser, you can't carry in, the, um, in, in a shared space, even if it's enclosed, unless you have erovei chatserot. That's what Shlomo Melech said. Uh, and at that time, when he made that, and he also made netzilat yadaim on bread. Right, netzilat yadaim, so people would... Be careful to wash their hands before bread, so that they, so that people eating Chuma would remember to do it. So it was extended to everybody. At that time, a divine voice came out and said, "That says, if your heart is wise, my son, then my heart will also rejoice." Meaning, this wisdom that uh, Shlomo demonstrated um, in making these takanot, and also it says in the pasuk. That uh, my son is wise and my heart is happy. and therefore I can respond to those who belittle me, who criticize me. In other words, David Amelech said, uh, you know, now I am justified. You know, whoever's criticizing me sees how wise my son is, and how he's making such good policies, and therefore that they won't they won't they they, they will respect me. Kohelet. Yeah, that wasn't Kohelet. Okay. That's from that's actually from uh, from uh, from Ishle. Ishle. Yeah. Um, well no, the uh oh, okay. no the yeah, yeah, yeah. Right from Ishlay, yeah. Okay. So yeah, the Rajava my Diktive Le Khaduddin Sadeh this is from Shiroshim. The Khaduddin Tea let us go out to the uh my beloved, let us go out to the fields. Nalina Bakarim, we will stay over in the villages. Nashkim will get up to the vineyards. And we'll see if the uh vine has blossomed. Pitachasimadar, if the um, if like the bud has opened, heinito rimonim. If the uh, if the pomegranates are are blossoming. Sham there, I will give my love to you. This is all one long pasook. They quoted the entire Pasuk. Okay? Now the that what does it mean? Let's go out to the field that the Jewish people said to Hashem, Ashayam, Ribonoshallah, Master of the World, Don't judge me like you would a city dweller. because among the dwellers in the city there is stealing and immorality, and and meaningless oaths and, and false oaths because they're all doing business with each other and so they lie and there's a lot of intermingling there's promiscuity there's stealing there's cheating and all that it applies to the city applies everywhere today let's go out to the field now you can do it online I will show you don't ju- in other words saying don't, ju- don't look at the cities and judge the Jewish people the cities where all kinds of seedy stuff goes on right Look at the Tamir chachamim that are not, meaning the ones who are poor and struggling and they're learning Torah. That's hasadeh, the field. It's like empty, you know. They don't have the material things, right? she says, uh, you know, they, they, or they, they work in the field. They work hard to make a little bit of parnasan. They study Torah. Not the people who are the city slickers. Don't look at that. Now, we're going to stay in the, in the villages. Don't read it as parim, The villages but Kofrim, those who are deniers, look at the other nations of the world that you gave them a lot of good, and they still deny you. In other words, we, the Jewish people, appreciate what we have, but many nations of the world that you've blessed, they're not, right? We'll go to the vineyards. This is talking about the synagogues in the Batemidrash. Let's see. Huh? What? Where? Where does it say that? Oh, is this what it said in the original one? It could be, yeah, it could be. My, this is an older Gemara that doesn't have doesn't have the censored uh, things on the side. The newer Gemara would have it on the side. Okay, well, It says, let's see if the vine if the vine has uh, has brought forth a flower, right? Elo These are the people studying Tanakh. Let's see if the uh, buds have developed. These are those who are studying Mishnah. Let's see if the pomegranates have blossomed. These are the ones studying mara. In other words, the point is that the Jewish people say to Hashem, focus on our good side. See how we appreciate what you've given us. See how we have Tom de Chachamim. Don't look at the seediness of the people in the cities that are doing wheeling and dealing and all kinds of bad things. Don't judge us by that. Look at the people that you give good to and they don't appreciate. We appreciate. Look how we're learning. Right? And then, what does it say? There I will give you my love. That's where you're going to see my honor and my greatness and the praise of my children. In other words, that's where you're going to see the goodness of the Jewish people is in their, in, in their strength, in the area of strength. Focus on that. It talks about the Shlomo Melech that he, he said 3,000 Mishalim, 3,000 uh, parables and he had um, uh, he had uh, a, hun- a thousand and five songs that he wrote. Okay, so it was a, so he, he wrote and that includes Shirah Shirim and um, among others, right? It doesn't just mean that he had three thousand parables. It means on every word of on every idea in the Torah, he could have three thousand examples and parables to, to 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 illustrate it. Right? Every every ish, every, every concept. What every mitzvah, had 3, it says? It says how do you every know war mitzvah? War here. Every what? Here. Where does it and say that? Mitzvah, yes. Where does it say mitzvah? It says davar. I mean, davar means concept. I mean, it could be, but yeah. it's, uh, yeah. yourself. okay. We could read in every commentary into the text of the Gemara, but then it's going to be confusing. So but it says davar. How everyone interpret it, right? I'll, and and I'll call the, bavar, the bavar sofrim, And on every one of the uh, words of the sufreim, every one of the rabbinic laws. He could give you A thousand and five tamim, A thousand and five Explanations of it So uh, so meaning that He could give Shlomo Explanations Shlomo. Examples Parables Shlomo HaMelech, Shlomo HaMelech Shlomo. Meaning He spent a lot of his time Trying to educate the people And he did a great job The said "My Chacham Yeah It says in fact The Midrash says Shlomo HaMelech Understood the reason For every mitzvah And then when he came To Parah Aduma, He said I, uh, This is the one I don't understand Right so the so the perushim say you see from that that all the other ones he uh, he had an explanation this was the one where he said I, I don't understand it but the yeah uh, but the, the, he couldn't figure it out it's a famous midrash the Gemara brings it in a couple of places but it's a and and in the uh, and even the Seforno brings it in Paradimah because he says even though it says Shlomo Melech. Didn't understand it. I'm still going to give uh, an explanation. You know, uh, all of the seem that want to explain it first say, even though it says that Shlomo Melech didn't understand this mitzvah, we're still going to try. You know, you still have to try He, to he, had he only had that two yeah. t- thousand nine hundred ninety nine. He said, you know, I, 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 but if you, if you can't give a percent but yeah, it, he it, never revealed it. It, it it says that. Well, because the, there's another midrash about that. It says. Why didn't the Torah reveal the mitzvot? Because the three mitzvot That it gives the tam for Those are the three mitzvot What are the three mitzvot that the Torah explicitly says the reason About the king Right Right You shouldn't have a lot of women A lot of money And it says the reason is And what happened Shlomo Melech said I'll do it and I won't have a problem And of course he had a problem that as you see that that's why the Torah didn't want to give the reason, because a person will say, oh, this is the reason, so since I know the reason, I and it doesn't apply to me. So you have to keep the mitzvah whether you know the reason or not. So the Torah didn't want to include the reason in the giving of the mitzvah, because that implies that you can judge whether it applies to you or not. Same thing with rabbinic laws. A lot of the rabbinic laws will say, oh, gzera shema blah 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 whatever the reason is this is a zero for this shortage. time but it says oh well i'm not going to do i'm not going to do that so i can ride a horse on shabbat because i'm not going to tear a branch off the tree and whip the horse so no problem. so then but maybe there are other reasons that they had for it or you know so, th- so that's that's why so anyway um so it says in, in addition to the fact that kohelet was a right oh the it says he also taught the people a lot of wisdom okay the he he was attentive and he is any he, and he investigated tikein mishalim and he set up a lot of different mishalim parables and examples to help people understand what does it mean he taught the people understand it means that he gave them signs so interesting it says kavala mishnah that when they would learn they would learn a, a melody or a this this seems to be like a, a hint of the idea of Tamea mikra that we read with a certain tune, and they also had from Mishnah. Rashi explains in a number of places that they had also a tune from Mishnah. Many communities have this tradition. If you look at the Syrians, have like a tamim for the Mishnah. The Moroccans have a tamim for Mishnah that they use when they read Mishnah, just like when you read the to- Torah, when you read Tanakh, they have for Mishnah also, and they show that you know you see from here that they had like he wanted them to. Memorize it So they had a tune When you have a tune It's so much easier To memorize something Than when you just have to Memorize the words When you teach kids something If you have a tune It's much easier um, and, uh, and And it says uh, Where was I? Ah, Right so it says They uh, might And he would also explain it with what was similar to it. You know, you give examples and analogies, right? Meaning that's what a mashal, one of the things a mashal is. You say, le mashal, they give example or something similar, right? Vizen v'chikir, He listened and he investigated. He made many mishalim. There's a lot of, this is just one of the many things that it says about this pasuk, actually. If you look in the midrash of Kohelet and the midrash Shiro Shirim, there are a lot of examples that they give, but it says it's like a basket that had no handles. The Torah was like a basket without handles. And Shlomo made it handles, meaning the Torah wasn't accessible to people. It means like they, like literally they couldn't grasp it. Like you would say, you know, like because the and making it handles means to make make it accessible to people that they could they could get it. But it, right, uh, it could be, yeah. but they they uh, they said. Shlomo HaMelech, uh, through his Mishalim, was able to make things accessible to people and understand it, right? And it says, Now this is another pasuk from Mishleba, has nothing to do with what we said before. But it says his locks are, his curls were, uh, uh, his, his uh, side locks were like curls. What does it mean, The end of his hair was like curls. It means that on every kotz vekotz, on every little like dot on the letter, you can learn tilim tilim shalalachot. You can learn many many halachot from it. Meaning every detail has tons to learn from it. And it says shechot kawev that in Shira Shirim, the the, the male figure in Shir Hashirim has black curly hair, right? So it says shechot kawev, black as a raven. His hair was black. It doesn't mean he, his hair was like very dark. The Where do you find divrei toa in what person? In, shmish, so bemishem mashkim umarivalehen, le beta midrash, that's why it says, Shachrot ke orev, is, really means a raven, a bird that's dark, but it's using the word, Shachrot ke'orev meaning like, Shachar eriv, right? shachrit varvit, morning and evening, right? That he gets up morning and evening to study, so all that's the person at had he comes to the beta midrash morning and evening, that's why it says, uh, that he's dark like a, uh, like a raven, it really means shachrit varvit, okay? It's a person who darkens his face on it. Darkening your face means like you, str- you, you don't enjoy like, um, indulgences. You're not enjoying the pleasures of life. You're, you're working very hard. It means that you're mean to your children and your family like a raven. I guess ravens don't take good care of their, uh, of their, fam- of their families. He was going to the yeshiva. His wife said to him, What am I going to do for your children to feed them? Are there no more reeds left in the swamp? Go get some reeds left in the swamp and feed them from that. Meaning he didn't, he didn't take care of his family. He was too involved in DeVretuat to go make a living for his, to support his family. I'm not so sure that it would be very popular nowadays. Now, Umshalem el um, it says Hashem pays back those who hate him to their face right to wipe them out meaning that he gives also the shachar. he gives also the reward to the wicked person in this world if it were not written in the Torah we wouldn't be able to say such a thing it's like a person has something on their face and they want to throw it off of their face meaning that Rasha is in the face of, the, uh, of Hashem Hashem knows he owes him for certain good things that he did. He wants to pay him right away to get rid of him. He doesn't want him. He doesn't delay for the one that he hates. Right? Or the one that hates him. He doesn't waste any time making sure to reward the people that are the bad people. Right? But the good people they have to wait for the reward. Right, the bad people, they get the reward right away because Hashem wants to get out, get them out. Is it get, get finished? It says, the, it says in the Pasuk, the mitzvot that I command you today to do them. Today you can do them, but not tomorrow, meaning you can only do them in this world. You can't do them after death. You do them today, you receive the word, reward later. Chagai and some say it was Rabbi Shmuel said. Why does it say erech apayim when it talks about Hashem being patient apayim? Right? It says erech af mi it Should just be erech af. He is slow. He extends. Literally, erech means extend long. Af is anger. Say erech af. He, he extends anger. What's apay? erech apayim at erech apayim It means he takes a long time to get around to rewarding the tzaddikim. And it takes a long time to get around to uh, punishing the Rishayim. Okay, so Ashik says, Because the word Apayim is double. It's a double language. It means both happy and angry. So He waits a long time to reward the Tzadikim. And when it comes to the wicked, he waits a long time to punish them. That's why it says So Erech Apayim doesn't just mean patient and slow, to punish It also means Patient and slow to reward Because a tzaddik Is not serving Hashem Because he wants the reward In this world So he's going to continue To uh, He's going to continue To do good Even if it takes a long time For the reward to come The rasha On the other hand Is a uh, Hashem Gives him chance After chance To do teshuvah, So he doesn't punish him Right away Because he wants him to wake up and 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 better his ways and improve himself and he doesn't want him also just to change his ways because of punishment he wants him to change his ways for the right reason so he extends and extends and extends for him as well So